All right, well, let's dive on in. We got some, we had some big news happen at the beginning of this week with Facebook completely shutting down for about five hours. And we're also going to be covering uh, Google and YouTube that are demonetizing some uh, particular video types on their platform. So let's go ahead and dive into this first one. The, the first one's a really big one. I'm sure everyone uh, either experienced the Facebook shutdown um, or at least heard about it on you know, whatever social media platform you're on. Uh, so Evan, do you want to kind of give us an overview of what happened over at Facebook and uh, kick this off for us? Yeah, for sure. So Facebook had some kind of infrastructure issue uh, leading to them being down for a little over five hours. Um, so basically what happened is it sounds like uh, there was something wrong with their infrastructure related to their communications equipment, um, their routers and their data centers. Uh, they had to fly people around the country to diagnose and fix the problem at their data center. So that was part of the reason why it took so long. Um, so I actually have a friend at Facebook that I talked to the day after this happened, and he said they were surprised they actually fixed the issue within five hours. That's crazy. Um, because of how how much they had to fly people around the country. And uh, they actually you know, deployed some kind of bad code and didn't know uh, what the effects were. And he also said there was a, another third-party piece of software they were using that, that had a glitch at the exact same time. And so those two things just kind of compounded and made it, made it even worse. So uh, pretty big deal, you know, for a platform that has 3.5 billion people on it. Uh, and those people probably spend an average of, you know, two to five hours a day mm -hmm. on Facebook. Um, you know, that's a pretty big deal for their entire platform to go down like that. Yeah, it's wild that they had to like physically fly people around. I was hearing stories online that like badges weren't working in offices either for employees. They had to like manually find a way to open doors. It's like wild that their whole infrastructure there just went down. Obviously, um, you know, people there's been stories about the net worth that Zuckerberg lost in that time and obviously the company lost a lot of value. I'd love to see revenue numbers, you know, with how many ads they serve every second of every day. What kind of top line revenue did they lose in five hours of a global outage? That has to be absolutely insane. I actually oh, saw that number. I can't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, it was something above 50 million, um, maybe even in the hundred millions. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember seeing it yesterday and being like, holy, wow, yeah. like that's crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, they lost a ton of revenue from that, but something else that's kind of worth noting with this is I think something that kind of blew my mind when I watched the Facebook documentary is when it talked about uh, some of these third world, third world countries, the internet is synonymous mm -hmm. with Facebook. Like Facebook is the only internet they have. Uh, so for what might be that country's only source of internet to be down for five hours, uh, I don't even think we can really comprehend the effect that that probably had in countries like yeah. that. Uh, so when you think about, even aside from just the revenue that Facebook lost, when you think about all the businesses that run their businesses on top of Facebook and communicate with their customers through WhatsApp, uh, run ads on Instagram, that's a huge, huge impact beyond just what Facebook would have made uh, because there's so many businesses that are reliant on Facebook and uh, the way they display ads and communicate with customers. It's, uh, it's something that I don't think we'll ever be able to know the true impact of just because I don't know how you would actually calculate uh, the total business expense by Facebook being down. Yeah. But it's something that makes you stop and realize like, holy shit, building on, I've, I've heard it kind of kind of called borrowed lands, so like building on a platform that's not yours. This kind of wakes everyone up to that. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that businesses shouldn't be built on Facebook because it's where people are congregating and it's the most efficient way to get to an audience. But 
this definitely opens everyone, everyone's eyes to the possibility that this can happen. I mean, it's code, it's software. Like there are bugs that will pop up. There are issues that will arise. And now we got to see the consequences of that. Yeah. Yeah. And in some of those countries, you know, Facebook has invested millions and millions and millions of dollars to build, you know, internet mm -hmm. networks, to build mobile networks, to subsidize devices. So, and prioritize their own traffic, obviously. So people use, you know, Facebook for their business pages and then take orders through WhatsApp and stuff. Like you mentioned, there are probably thousands, if not millions of small businesses that couldn't operate that day across the world. So you're right. We'll never know the impact of that. And you think with a company like Facebook, they would have, you know, all these security measures in place. And I know that they do yet one little piece of code can still take it all down. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty scary. Wow. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if, uh, you know, there's so much going on with, uh, you know, antitrust and the government yeah. related to Facebook. I wonder if this will play into any of that. It was horrible timing for them because of all the whistleblower stuff that's come out over the last few weeks. And then for this to happen. It's I mean, nonstop bad news. Yeah. For them. Yeah. I mean, tech Twitter rumors were freaking flying. Yeah whenever this happened. Cause it was like a day or two after that 60 minute segment where the whistleblower came on, I saw tweets that were saying like the Facebook source code has been deleted. Facebook is gone forever. Like super dramatic <laughs> stuff like that. In reality, uh, it was, it sounds like it was just a code issue. It wasn't an intentional attack. Um, but there's all sorts of conspiracy theories kind of flying yeah. uh, on, on tech Twitter. And I, I think, Twitter actually saw its biggest single day spike in users in a long time yeah. due to this. Everyone is kind of flooding from, from Facebook, social media apps, from Instagram and WhatsApp over to Twitter. Um, and I think Jack Dorsey was even having a little fun with it. I saw him. Yeah. He was trolling the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him quote a tweet that said that somehow facebook.com was like listed for sale, the domain. And he quote tweeted it and was like, how much? Yeah. <laughs> so just kind of, just kind of trolling around. Yeah. Twitter um, uh, was glitching for a little bit because of how many people were using it. And they put out a tweet. It was like, sometimes more people use Twitter than normal for some reason. We don't know why <laughs> we've got that fixed on our end. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's funny. All right, cool. Let's move on to this next story. So we've got uh, Google and YouTube that are demonetizing content uh, around climate change denial. Um, so Evan, kind of fill us in on, on what's going on uh, in, in your initial reaction to this news. Yeah, pretty big deal. Uh, so Google and YouTube are basically uh, demonetizing uh, videos and not allowing ads to run on them if they are denying climate change. So that means uh, they're basically denying videos that are contradicting scientific cons consensus um, around climate change causes and climate change existing in the first place. Um, so if somebody were to say, hey, on a video, you know, if somebody were to say that climate change is a hoax or a scam or claims uh, that they're denying, you know, long-term trends in global climate change, you know, they'll take that video uh, and, and not allow it to be monetized. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the way I first read this was they were banning, you know, that kind of content. Um, they're not going to completely take it off the platform, from what I understand, uh, but they're preventing people from uh, making money on it, uh, which, you know, I'm, I'm still not a fan of. Um, I don't think this is, you know, I'm not a fan of, of these private platforms um, really sensing too much. Um, I, I agree in some, you know, some form of um, censoring, uh, but... They just keep, you know, it's crawling and crawling and crawling and grabbing for more and more to censor. 
And you got to ask yourself, like, where is the line? Because what if uh, what if somebody were to uh, well, are they going to block all conspiracy theories now? Like there are a ton of people out there that are making stuff up about all kinds of scientific facts. You know, there's all kinds of content out there that people are making stuff up uh, and they might actually truly believe that stuff. Right. And, and their audience might truly believe that stuff. And what if somebody were to say, I don't know for sure, but I think the people that did the original research on climate change were funded by a well-known conservative family. So climate change could be fake. You know, they're not making a statement that it is fake. They're saying and trying to explore something they heard and said, I'm not 100%, but I thought I heard. Is Google going to take that down? So it's just like, where is the line? I'm not a fan of these private companies, you know, doing this kind of censorship. Um, I think that they need to leave it up to uh, fact checkers if they're going to do any of that and maybe put a notice on top of the video. Um, I, I don't know, but I'm just wondering where they're going to where they're going to draw the line. I don't yeah. I don't consider this censorship. Um, I would if they were taking it off the platform, but uh, demonetizing it honestly seems like a decent middle ground. Um, for things that are blatantly, you know, I, I don't think that you can really deny that climate change is, there's something there. So for them, I feel like that's a pretty safe one for them to start testing this on. Um, I don't know. I struggle to adopt the kind of slippery slope arguments of once you start with one thing, then it can just kind of creep in other places. I think in some cases that's true. Um, but demonetizing it doesn't bother me as much as if they were banning it outright. Um, but I mean, this is like, yeah. the, this is one of the greatest challenges of our generation. Content moderation is something that we're going to see these huge companies have to deal with from here on out. Like it is, it is somebody's job to try and make sure that, you know, correct information is, is what's being displayed. But that challenge in and of itself is probably one of the hardest things <clears throat> for these companies to solve. Um, so I don't know the solution mm -hmm. to it. I'm, I'm okay with demonetizing these type of ads. I wouldn't be okay with banning them. Nate, what do you think? I think there's a couple things to consider here. The first, to kind of loop back in the, the whole Facebook conversation, the, the whistleblower stuff that we touched on for a second there, um, called the Facebook Files, the Wall Street Journal originally published the stuff before the 60 Minutes interview. One of the big topics um, in the Wall Street Journal series of stories was um, content moderation and how Facebook had you know, empirical studies to show how they knew that they had misinformation, they knew how to stop misinformation, and they knew misinformation had X, Y, and Z negative effects on society. But if they took steps, it would hurt their bottom line. Mm -hmm. And th so they didn't. Like all that was empirical studies and evidence makes sense. They're a business. That is also obviously very much the case on YouTube. You, you know, the term YouTube rabbit hole, you can start watching one video and then you get down into all literally a rabbit hole. Evan, your idea of like, where's the line if you're just questioning it, I think that's a really good point, but I don't think there's many of those videos on YouTube, you know, or at least ones that are popular. You know what gets the clicks. It's the crazy thumbnail that says climate change is fake with an explosion on a volcano you know like whatever it is like you know what what catches the algorithm so i think that's the stuff that they're trying to tackle on the the flip side of facebook though this is a google ads policy this is their ads team saying we need to demonetize this stuff 
because we have advertisers who don't want their ads running next to these videos. So they're trying to keep their, uh, their, their demand side of buying ad space healthy. They want companies to buy the ad space. And right now they have a supply of videos of ad space that companies don't want. So they're trying to be a private business mm. and saying, let's keep this healthy, keep companies buying our space. So they're making a move for their business. It, it's tough and there, there is no right or wrong answer. Like you said, Logan, it's something we're gonna be talking about for a long time, but everybody's just trying to, to keep their bottom line up. Yeah, that's a good perspective. I mean, when, <clears throat> when you think about buying ad space on something like YouTube or on something like Google, a lot of these businesses that are buying ad space don't wanna be associated with something like uh, yep. you know, uh, a climate change denial video. So in terms of maintaining their business, that makes a lot of sense to demonetize those, those particular videos. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I've thought this And those videos could still monetize themselves too. Like that creator could have yeah. a sponsor that they negotiated sure. with offline and included sure. in their video. Point. That's a good point worth noting as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, what kind of just is something that's really thought provoking for me is like the decision to make ad revenue the the primary revenue source for pretty much all these social media platforms pretty much changed the course of humanity in terms of it made social media companies primary objective to capture our attention and by needing to capture our attention that incentivized yeah. clickbait that incentivized misinformation that spreads i think like six times faster than real news uh so like i said it's one of those problems that our generation is going to be dealing with for years and years and Good Lord, if there's even a solution out there, I, I don't know what it would be. So something, uh, something just to keep on tracking with something that we want to be kind of touching on every time something pops up about it. We don't ever claim to know what the right answer is, but we want to make sure you guys are informed so you can come to your own conclusions about it. Uh, so anything else, either of yeah. you guys want to add before we wrap it up here? Um, I guess again, for me, it's just like, I would, I would want to see, you know, Google, create a list of, you know, all of the other, uh, I, I really think there needs to be transparency around this kind of stuff, way more transparency than there is now. There needs to be a page that the public can go to and see every issue that Google is censoring, that they are demonetizing. They need to have every keyword. They need to have all of this in the public that yeah. somebody can go look up every single thing that Google, YouTube, Facebook, all of these companies are censoring. And they need to see an audit trail of every video. All of that needs to be public because we can't have these like private that. companies. I like that. You know, censoring or taking down free speech. It is somebody's right to talk about conspiracy theories related to climate change. It is their human right to do that in the United States of America. That's why we live in America. And you can't just have. That's what I'm saying. Platform, the problem is you got these giant private platforms yeah. that have become society, digital society. And they're making their own yeah. shots and their own calls on how this stuff is monetized or how this stuff is up on the internet or taken down on the internet. And I want to see a full audit trail because I'm okay with some of it, but I'm also not okay with most of it because it's somebody's human right to talk about what they want in a public forum, right? And so I just want this stuff to be transparent so we can actually have an accurate conversation about the motives of governments or Google, uh, Facebook, uh, and, and these other platforms so we can understand, you know, what's actually being taken down. What's their motive? What trends are there? Are they taking down more conservative or liberal content? You know, we need this stuff to be public so we can actually have a healthy conversation around it. Because as of right now, you know, we're only talking about the big stuff, which is, you know, climate change. There's probably a thousand other things that they're taking down that have some kind of impact on society that we just don't know about. 
Mm-hmm. That that's yeah. the main thing I care about yeah. is just because they really are intruding on freedoms, whether they whether the public likes it or not, whether they like to say it's a private company or not. These private companies are so big to the point that we actually have to question, you know, whether it should be legal for them to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's just my take is that I just want more transparency around all this. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see more things like Facebook's oversight committee uh, popping up and giving us more of that transparency. I think there's definitely more of a call for that now more than ever. I think a lot of, pe- a lot of people share your same sentiment, Evan. So hopefully that'll be something that pops up for more the internet as a whole, I guess. Maybe that's too daunting of a task for one committee to kind of tackle with everything that that would encompass, Google, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everything. Um, but I think we're seeing that that's more and more needed the further we go down this path of the internet. <laughs> These companies um, do have audit trails of this stuff. You know, I, I tweeted <laughs> yeah, about this sure. last week. Uh, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, they have hundreds of thousands of physical people watching videos. That is their job to sit there and watch videos and say, this needs to be taken off. This needs to be included. And like, that is their job. Yeah. On so top of the algorithm. They have an audit trail of what the algorithms yeah. are flagging and then what people are taking down. And they just need to publicize that. And then if there's other, if there's inappropriate content, you know, there's pornography, there's gore, you know, whatever it might be, put a warning on that stuff and let everybody go make a judgment for themselves. Like mm-hmm. that, that needs to be the thing that happens long-term in order for these companies uh, to live in a healthy internet environment. Yep. I agree. I agree. It'll be interesting to keep on talking about and see where it actually ends up. Um, but we'll wrap it up there in terms of the conversation about those two topics. Uh, if you guys have any additional questions, we yeah. should record a full yeah, episode about content moderation. That'd be a great, I think there's a lot thoughts, more to explore there. Um, which speaking of, we'll give, give some plugs for the episodes yeah. coming up. Evan, uh, tell us about this most recent developer yeah. or develop Lex episode that came out yesterday. Yeah, so it was with Phil Phil Greer. Uh, Phil Greer is responsible for uh, several major projects in Lexington. Uh, he brought the first Walmart to Lexington. Uh, he's responsible for City Center along with Dudley Webb downtown, which is that new building. Uh, the Fountains, uh, he's behind Cheddar's and their expansion across this part of the United States. Uh, um, so he's been involved in a lot of deals, but the most interesting part I think about the conversation was how he actually got to be, uh, in the real estate investment space. Um, he used to be a high school football coach and the way that he worked his way into the investment game, uh, was very impressive. He had a lot of great advice. He's a very humble man. Uh, it was kind of a funny interview. Um, but he's just, uh, one of those Lexington, uh, huge developers that's responsible for, uh, a lot of what the city is, is known of, known for today. Yeah. I got to listen to it on the plane as I was editing it and I really enjoyed listening to it. So highly recommend you guys check it out. Um, then tomorrow we have a weekend thoughts coming out read by me, uh, inspired by the tweet thread that I put out about nuclear energy. Um, so we broke that into a part one and part two. Part one is just the general basics on what I learned about, uh, nuclear fusion versus nuclear fission. Um, so it's a pretty important distinction. All of the current nuclear technology that we actually have in use right now is uh, through nuclear fission, but there's a lot being done with nuclear fusion. And uh, honestly, it's it's just super optimistic to talk about what the potential of nuclear fusion. So that'll be coming out tomorrow. Um, we have an episode coming out on Monday centering around NFTs. We sat down with uh, a young guy in Lexington that is doing some incredible stuff with NFTs and NASCAR. Uh, and has a lot of experience um, buying, holding, and trading NFTs of all different types. So that'll be coming out on Monday. Um, Anything else I'm forgetting before we sign off here, guys? 
Not that I can think of. All right, guys. Well, we got yeah. another big weekend coming up, so everyone wins some money out at Keeneland. Uh, let's hope that the Cats pull another win and beat LSU. And we'll see you guys next week.